Welcome to the podcast of New Creation Christian Center, the path to genuine life where you can come as you are and be transformed by the word of God. My name is Pastor Marquise and we are a non-denominational church led by the living and active word of God in the heart of Seattle, Washington by pastors Harold and Annis Faye Franklin. Whether this is your first time, second time, be sure to subscribe and share this with those that need it. Now join me and be ready to live and learn from the word of God. Well, somebody say praise the Lord. Say it like you mean it. Praise the Lord. God is good all the time and all the time as they say what? God is good. Amen. About to get started. Hallelujah. We are continuing the series on who God has called us to be. First it started with me to be, but now it's kind of like us, because now it's focused on the church, amen? And I actually had a dream this week that I'm going to share with you guys what happened as soon as it comes up on my iPad. Um, here we go. But it was, it was pretty awesome, man. I like the way that God has been able to allow the sermon to be easy. Um. The series has been going on and on and on, and I think it's been beneficial. Has it been beneficial for you guys hearing some good stuff? Um, I'm just excited about what is going on, but let's start with prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you, dear God, for you allowing me to be here, dear God, as your leader, as you're speaking to these people, dear God. I pray, dear God, that you would speak even further than what I speak. Let your Holy Spirit speak and let, it, let your spirit touch and change lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I had a dream, and in this dream, it was about a skyscraper with hundreds and hundreds of stories. And in this dream, the higher you got up, the more successful you would become. And after um, being successful, if you went back down, you would begin to lose things. Right? You will begin to lose your success. So for some people, the level of floor changed them dramatically. And it also showed the things that the enemy had tied them up and tangled them up with. Some of it was riches and beauty. Some could be comfortable at any levels. Others couldn't. In a dream, I saw a man accidentally press the wrong floor in the elevator. And he dropped from floor 130 to floor 11. And he tried to bring his girlfriend with him. And in the next elevator, a demon felt her leaving and was trying to do all he could to destroy her and keep her from going down to the level because it meant he lost control over her. And the demon would destroy and, 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 and kill all he could and everybody that tried to stop him. While on, 11, while on this floor, the man realized the differences with his girlfriend. It's funny because... In my dream, it was like, whoa, this is not the same person. On 11, she was fading and didn't even appear real. And slowly, as they began to rise with opposition from the enemy, he would see her beauty come back. And she was able to gain her color, riches, and beauty. Now, this man, this man he knew about God, and he knew about that prayer was powerful, yet he only used it when he had to. But being with her and seeing the changes in the levels, it began to puzzle him. And also seeing the demons possessed as the demons possessed and they looked like businessmen coming after them to kill him, 
that didn't really help him. He, he realized something was going on. Until one day he was out on the terrace of a restaurant. The waiter handed him food. And after he shared it with him, uh, the experience he had been going, then the waiter shared with him a word from God. Somebody say a word from God. And asked the man, what does God want you to be? Immediately, God gripped this man's heart because he knew that was what it was all about. He was doing things in his own strength and would ask for God's help only when he needed it. But the man was living for himself, and now he knew he had an obligation to do, and that's to live for God. When I, when I woke up at that dream, I immediately had to write it down. I was like, wow, this is powerful. And anybody have dreams where you go to sleep? You wake back up, and you're like, man, I got to get back in that dream. So you go back to sleep, and you get back. That's really what happened. Um, and when, when the guy on the terrace told him, man, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life, basically? He gave him a word from God, and he realized a lot of the times he was trying to do it in his own strength. And I think with this series that we're talking about, who does God want me to be, we have to realize we cannot do it in our own strength. We have to have God, and we have to not be trying to do things for God, but we have to be, be willing to obey what God has for us. Amen? So I just wanted to share that. That was like the first time I ever had a dream that God was like, share this in the, in the, in the Bible story. Um, let's go to our first scripture. We had it in there, First uh, Peter 2.11 through 17. We talked last week about edifying. Our main job is to edify the body of Christ. Right? It is our responsibility as believers to make sure we are edifying one another. Um, also, it's very important that we be living examples. I started to talk about this last week, how every time, and I think I did say this, every time you see a Christian on TV, they are portrayed as a hypocrite. Or there's something wrong with them. They're just, it's, it don't look right. You know, even if they're good people, it's just like, okay, they're too out there. You know what I'm saying? Or they're too gooders. But definitely want to look at this scripture and make sure we are living examples. Amen. First Peter 2 11. And when you got it, you can say word. First Peter 2 11. I'm getting it myself. It says, Beloved, or dear friends, I urge you. Actually, let me go back to the right version. I'm sorry. It says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. I could stop right there because that says a lot. First of all, he begins to explain who you are. Then he explains who your job is. And in explaining who he, they are and their job is, he explains who their enemy is. So it talks about their foreigners. Now, if we ever went to another country, sometimes we know what a foreigner looks like. And even when they come to our country, we know what they look like because they speak different. They talk different. They might eat differently, right? They eat different things. So Paul or Peter, I'm sorry, 
because this is first Peter. This is not first Paul. Peter says, you strangers, basically, who are not familiar with this, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. This shows us in being who God wants us to be, we have to, once again, be different than the world. We're talking about living examples and abstaining from the fleshly lusts. What are fleshly lusts? Lusts that fulfill your flesh. Easy. It's things that are not pleasing to God, but they're pleasing to you. I was talking to a brother uh, last week, and he asked me a, a question about drinking alcohol. And I said, when you're drinking alcohol, who is that pleasing? Does, is it pleasing you or is it pleasing God? Because God is not like, oh, yeah, they drink some alcohol, right? He's not, God is not caught up on those things. So I said, if, it, if it's a, between you pleasing God or you pleasing yourself and you know that this is not benefiting your soul, then, then don't do it because it's warring against your soul. Now, I believe that it's very important that we understand that these things will war against us. I've seen people that started off one way and they begin to change. And as they begin to change, we see so many things happen in their life. Their, their, their walk with God is beginning to fall apart because these things that they're lusting after are at war with them. And how many know when you're in war, you're going to have some battle scars? You're going to have some problems. I was talking to Precious's dad. He was like, he was behind a machine gun for a long time, and he, he, his ear, he, he lost a lot of his hearing because of that. So even when you're in war, there's going to be things that you lose. For us, those things that we're losing is fleshly lusts, and we fight against them because they're fighting against us. Amen? So I had to break that down. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it flowing. Having your conduct, somebody say conduct. This is what we have to do as living examples, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles represented really the, the people that weren't Jewish, but it also represented a lot of times. Now, the, let me say this. Gentiles did get saved, but a lot of times it represented the ways of the world because you got to remember the Jewish people or the Israelites were God's chosen people. The Gentiles were basically the other people. And they didn't worship God like the Israelites were supposed to worship God. They didn't worship like the first church worshiped God. So they said, even let the people that are not in the church, somebody say not in the church, let your conduct be honorable. See, this is, this is very important because my dad's been talking about Christians with nasty attitudes. Nobody wants to be around them because their conduct is not honorable. Like, it should be to the point where, and, and, and there's a scripture in Hebrews that talks about allowing even the people in the world to know that you are saved, and, and they can't even say nothing bad about you. That's how it should be. People at Precious's job should not be like, she's a snake. She's always da 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 da. They should be like, oh, no, Precious. If somebody says that about her, they should be like, Precious? Precious Franklin? No, that's, that's totally not her. Why? Because we live honorable amongst the Gentiles. Amen? Yeah. 
And it actually says that in this verse, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, somebody needs to observe your good works. If they don't see it and you swear up and down that I'm a good person, they don't see it, it does you no good. Right? That means we have to be good any and everywhere we go. But it says that they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Amen? Then it goes on and says a little bit more. Because, you know, some people got that, but then they get this, and they're like, yo, this is a little bit too much. Well, let's see what it says. It says, therefore, submit yourselves. Uh Uh-oh. Part of being a living example is submitting yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. All right? These are people that are in leadership. Whether to a king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Verse 15 says, for this is the will of God. Somebody say the will of God. That clearly, when you see something that says the will of God, if you want to know what God wants you to do, just look up the will of God. That's basically God saying, that is what I expect. This is my will. It's not like a will that they write when they're about to leave. This will is like, this is what needs to be taken care of. Amen? So he says, this is my will. For this is the will of God that you, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance. Somebody say the ignorance. Then that this is a great way to put people that talk stupidly. And I'm trying to be nice when I say this. This is the way to silence them. By obeying the laws of the land. By obeying the people that God has placed in. Amen? And then it says, to silence the ignorance of foolish men in verse 16, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for for a vice, but as a bondservant of God. A vice is something that, uh, anybody remember the rescuers back in the day? Um, Land under, land down under the rescuers? Rescuers down under. There we go. In uh, this was the first time I found out what a vice was. You remember that one bird? Yeah, he couldn't fly or he was having some issues. So they're operating on him and they put him in a vice and he was like, oh no, not the vice. It, so a vice is something that holds you down, it keeps you down. It says, yet not using liberty as a cloak for a vice. That's interesting because. It's hard to be free and be held down at the same time. But why are they held down? Because they begin to allow the lust of the world or the lust of the flesh to hold them down. They say, use your freedom not to say, I can do any and everything that I want to do, but use it as to be a bondservant of God. What does a bondservant mean? A bondservant means connected to God. You're connected and you're like, hey, a bondservant is not a servant that was that um, a bond servant is almost like a willing servant. I'm willingly serving you, God. That's what our life has to look like when we are doing what God wants us to do. Amen? And verse 17 says, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. That would be a nice t-shirt, I'm just saying. Honor all people, 
Love the brotherhood. You see Michael really paying attention now. Fear God and honor the king. When you think about that, this, if you get this in your spirit, it makes who God wants you to be very easy. Right? Like this, is, this should be some of your favorite scriptures. Honor all people. That our job is to honor everybody. Then, love the brotherhood. Now, what's the brotherhood? That don't mean, that don't mean brothers that are in the hood. That, that means brotherhood, like those that are in the faith. And it don't just mean brothers right there either. Love the hood of faith, you know, the faithhood. So anyway, then it says fear God. And then it also says honor the king. Now, I wonder if that king was Jesus, uh, or I would have to look into that a little bit more. But I have to highlight that in my Bible because I, I really like how that scripture was put. Amen? And being who God wants us to be, we have to be living examples because we have heard it all the time that we may be the only Jesus that they see. Us being in this neighborhood, they, they see us constantly coming in, some of the people they're going to know that if we're, if we're living examples for God or not. And sometimes it takes time. I remember as we went to the clubs and we used to minister to people, one of the biggest things is that, that really just like got us excited was when after time, after being there for a year or so, somebody came up to us one night and said, man, you guys are really serious about what you're doing. He was like, I've watched you guys. Every time you come out and you're not wavering, he was like, man, that really encouraged me. So we see that being a living example can transform other people's lives. Amen? There's a, there's a quote that says, uh, live for Jesus and seldomly use words, right? Like, I think that's powerful, but I also, I think that if, if nobody could hear you talk, well, I'll even say this. If a person can't talk and he's mute, how do you know that he's saved? You know by his actions. We should, be, we should be mute to the world almost. Our actions should speak louder than what we speak. Amen? Because there's a lot of Christians that are like, yeah, I'm turned up about God. I'm so excited. I'm on fire. Da, 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 da. And their actions don't say the same thing. It's like, Night and day, you look at him and be like, he said that, but he did that. You know, it don't look the same. So we have to be living examples, amen? The next point that I want to go to is it starts in, we're going to start with the 2 Corinthians 5, 20 through 21. Pull both of those verses up at the same time if you can. Um, we're going to talk about being his messengers. Now, after we figured out who God wants us to be, the next thing is to letting people know who God wants them to be. Amen? As a father, it is my job to let my kids know who they are in God. Amen? I, I started them very young. My son used to see commercials on TV, and we don't watch a lot of crazy stuff. Um, but he would see this commercial with these girls in the car. You remember, babe? And, and every time he would stop everything he was doing to just look. And he's like, they're cute. And I said, listen, son. And I had to get very stern with him. They're not cute 
unless they know the Lord. Now, my son was like, okay. And, you know, because I was, it was a strong voice that I had to say it with him. They're not cute unless they know the Lord. So now it's funny because they'll talk to each other and they'll be like, Kayla, you're not cute if you don't know the Lord. <laughs> Marquise, you're not cute or handsome if you don't know God. But it has trained them to understand that that is not just about looks on the wor- as we see it, but it's about looking, first of all, through the eyes of God. Amen? So we are his mass messengers. I don't know why I said that. But, oh, I said because it's our job to tell people who they are in God. And not, not like they don't know anything else. God has already showed them some things. But just like in my dream, that guy that was on the terrace, he had to let him know a word from God, and it shook him up. Then he realized, hey, man, okay, that was what I needed to hear. Amen? Second Corinthians 5, 20 through 21 says, Now then. Somebody say, now then. Say, now then. That's right. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. Look at this right here. Now, it had, we don't see a lot of ambassadors today, right? Can somebody give me an example of what an ambassador is? Or even look the definition up of an ambassador for me? They obviously represent. They represent somebody in authority. They're acting on their behalf. He's reading the scripture now. (laughs) But an ambassador, just like he said, is a representation of somebody that's in high authority. Right? So, some people want to be ambassadors, and we've seen it in the news. Everybody can't be an ambassador because as an ambassador, they expect you to act a certain way. Right? You cannot be the ambassador of the United States and go to a country where the tensions are already high and start slapping people. Talking about, you didn't warm my food up like I wanted it. I'm not feeling that. You need to, yeah, it could go. <laughs> my mind was there. Anyway, you have to act a certain way. You have to do things the right way. Now we see we are ambassadors for Christ. We are representing God everywhere that we go. We got to remember this. Everywhere Michael goes, Monica goes, Precious goes, Annis goes, Harold goes, whoever else goes, as believers, we are ambassadors. We are their representation. And if we represent God bad, people look at God bad. Right? Have you guys seen people that are in the church act bad and do it in the name of God, and now you got people that say, oh, I don't want to deal with these people because Christians all are like that. Because people have represented God bad. It's our job to make sure we represent God good. Amen? It says, not only that, we're his representatives. It says, as though God were pleading through us. Now, it could have said speaking, but pleading is a stronger word. When we're pleading, it's like we're almost begging and begging. Okay, come on, man. God is speaking to us like that. So when we see people and they want to receive God, it's a plea. It should be a plea through us. It shouldn't just be like, well, 
If you don't want to, you don't have to. Because now we have the same mind as God. God's mind is that every man will be saved. He's delaying his wrath so that people would get saved. Amen? We got to look at it like that. God is, like some Christians are saying, God, hurry up and come back. And I understand that. But God is saying no because there's still these people that are out there that need to get saved. There's still people that need to be drawn into me. So it's our job to plead because God is pleading through us. It says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's what it's all about. What does reconciled mean? To be, back, to be brought back into a good place. Amen? It says, for he made him, and that him is Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You guys catch that? He made Jesus, who never sinned, become sin for us. He took our spot that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So the only way that we can be righteous is being in God. Amen? And he is, he is saying, be reconciled to God. This is how we be reconciled. So we have to look at this. We are his messengers. This is a message that we have to share. We always have to share that Jesus took our spot. You, me, everybody else, we were headed to hell in a hot basket uh, on a roller coaster ride, right? Headed, plunging. That's probably the deepest roller coaster ride, if you, if you ask me. You're just going straight down. That's all of us. But Jesus came like Superman and just stopped it all as long as we ask him for his help. Amen? Oh, man, that gets me excited. I got a whole scripture to read. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And we're just going to start at the beginning, I believe. But this is important that we get this in our spirits. You are God's spokesman. Sometimes we, we want to wait for other people, and it's like, man, I wish that these people that are in higher places would come say something to these people out here that are really hurting. When you have that urge, God is really trying to tell you to do it. Amen? When you see, when you see something that is not working right, God is showing you that so you could try to help get it right. You guys understand what I'm saying? God has revealed it to you because everybody that walks in a place, they don't think like you do. When Monica walks in this church, there's something that she sees that God wants her to do that nobody else sees, right? And you can explain it, and some people are like, yeah, sure, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, like, that's, that's a great, right? They can give you that that's great look. But that's because God has birthed something in you, and God has birthed something in all of us to be his ministers. Amen? Now, this, this is not a long chapter. It says, we then workers, we then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. What does that mean? When you get something in vain, that means it, you're blowing it off. All right? So this is very important because some people, 
say grace, 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 grace. But there is a way that you could mishandle the grace that God gave you. It says, for he says, in, a, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now, somebody say now, is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. This is why as messengers of God, we have to preach this. You might not have till tomorrow. The Bible says that no man knows his day or his hour. The Bible also says uh, tomorrow is not promised. So it is very important, and, and I'll say this, there's a time where you, we, we plead, but then there's also a time where it's a response. They have to have the right response, right? If somebody says, I don't want to get saved, and they're fighting you pretty much, it's like, okay, you have planted a seed, right? The Bible says one plants, one waters, but God gets the increase. It's not our job to make sure they get the increase. I don't, I don't mark notches on my, on my belt and be like, yeah, that's another one. And, 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 hey, I got 30. How many you got? 29. And then you go out and you're like, I got to get another one. And you basically just dragging somebody to, the, to get saved. And it wasn't what they wanted, right? That's a little bit too much. You're, going, you're doing too much, all right? Expect God to do the work because if you do the work, it's not going to last, it says, um, verse 3, we give no offense in anything that our, enemy, that our ministry may not be blamed. This is very important. Now, this is Paul talking, saying that we make sure that we are not offending anybody. Now, let's be clear. He's not talking about with the gospel, right? He's talking about with the way that he does things. Now, if I offend somebody with the gospel, Jesus said that was going to happen. They said, Jesus said, they hated me, so they're going to what? Hate you, not because of you, but because of the gospel, because of who Jesus was, because he said they hated me first. So there's going to be times where people are offended by the gospel, but they shouldn't be offended by how you're acting, right? You don't just... You don't go into a restaurant and just start throwing chairs and stuff just because Jesus did it and be like, I didn't get my way in here. This should be a house of prayer. You're tripping. You're out of line, right? So we always have to make sure that our ministry is not blamed. This is good for ministers as well. It says, uh, but in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience these are things that you've got to add. As, a, as being a messenger of God, you have to add this. Because I, don't, I couldn't tell you how many times patience has really had to work in my life. It had to do a work in my life. As a father, patience is still doing a work in my life. As a mother, is it working? It's working. It's still working. Still got to work. And then it says, in tribulation. There's going to be times where we face things in needs, in distress, in stripes, in imprisonment, in tumults, in labors. They don't really say tumults too much no more. In sleeplessness, in fasting. We have to commend ourselves. Sometimes you're going to have to encourage yourself, right? Oh, man, they got a song. And I don't know how it goes, but they got a song that says encourage yourself. But I don't want to act like we're always going to be beat up. Even in the good times, you must encourage yourself. Amen? 
Then it says, by, this is how you do it. By purity. Somebody say purity. Now, we could preach a whole service on purity, but I won't because I only got seven minutes. It says, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report as deceivers and yet being true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastised, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. That has a lot in there. This is how we have to react, even during those situations that Paul talked about. We have to make sure as a messenger of God that people, when they see us, even when you're going through something, something tough, instead of getting frustrated and looking like everybody else looks like, you, there should be something different about you. They should be like, man, you are holding your composure very well. Because if I were you, I would wild out. Right? Now, it's interesting, at my school, uh, there was a lady that was in one of my classes, God bless her heart, and uh, she was wilding out. Right? She tried to call me out in front of the whole class and said, I didn't know how to do music, I didn't know how to do anything, and da-da-da-da. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> I didn't say nothing. I didn't, I didn't get upset. I didn't yell at her and be like, oh, okay. I said, well, how can we work together? Because it was a group project. And uh, Lord knows group projects in college are something that you grow to hate. Good God. I can say that now. I'm done with those group projects for now. But anyway, as that went on, there was this, this kept happening. And some people just started yelling back at her, right? And I was like, I'm not going to do that. So the next quarter, um, there was this guy that was a leader in our class for the, the whole class project, which actually went very well, thank God. But he was like, man, I saw how you acted when that lady was tripping with you. He wasn't even in the class. But he was like, man, I, I really respect you for the way that you were able to keep it together. And I was like, Wow. I didn't even know he was there. We never know who is watching us. We never know who is taking notes from us to see what kind of person are you. But when I, when I said that, I was like, thank God that I acted the right way. Because I didn't want to act the right way. Precious knows. Every day I picked her up, she, what happened? I was going 100 miles per hour. And I was like, but I'm at home now. But then I would keep on going. Right, and I was like, good Lord, help me. But we have to make sure that we are always acting right, amen? And it goes on, and it says, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to God or to him. This is important. Even when you're not there, please God. Even when people don't see you, you should be still be pleasing God. It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. 
So I like how he says it. So even when you're absent, when you think nobody else is there, you're going to be judged. It's the, it's, it's the same chapter, two, down two verses. Verse 10. So, oh, I'm sorry. My Bible went back. But this works because it's in chapter 5, verse 9. I'm sorry. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Somebody say, we persuade men. What does persuading look like? Like pushing them, kind of. I'm, I'm trying to, not only, actually, it's like more of pulling. I'm pulling you. Like, come on this way. Come on. It says, I'm persuading men, but we are well known to God. And I also trust that you are well known in your consciences. That scripture was actually an accident, but it went very well with what we were talking about. Amen? Uh, now let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. It says, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Then it says this. We're talking about who God wants us to be. This is a scripture that a lot of pastors minister on. But it says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawness, and what communion has light with the darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial, which is another word for the devil, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has a temple of God with idols? For you, somebody say you. See, I like how it breaks it down because it doesn't just say the church. It's talking about you are a temple of God. You don't have nothing to do with idols. Matter of fact, if, you, if your favorite store that you go to has idols in it, try going to another store. Your nail shop, idols. There's somebody else that don't have idols. So into a, a, there might be a Christian that has a nail shop that you need to show into. They, 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 they might tell everybody about your feet, but that's all right. <laughs> I'm just playing. Anyway, what Agreement does the temple of God have with idols, for you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, we're talking about what it looks like to be what God wants us to be. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. Amen? So, as a minister of God, as an example of God, as I talked about a little bit earlier, it is our job to make sure we are not looking like the, the world is looking. Right? The way we dress can't be like the world dresses. That don't mean you can't buy Jordans because everybody else is buying Jordans. I like Jordans, but I'm not buying them at the same price that everybody else is. I'm going to the outlet. Hallelujah, that don't have nothing to do, with, but just be smart, okay? But 
The way that the world talks, remember as we talked about earlier, as, as Peter talked about, you are a foreigner. We don't talk like the world talks. We don't act like the world talks. This whole series came because Markela was like, who does God want me to be? It's very important that we don't act like people that are doing the wrong thing. Amen? And I'm breaking it down because she just walked in. But as his messengers and as living examples, we must live so that the world will see God in us. This is part of who God wants us to be. We want God to raise people in this ministry, in this church, in this area. They have to see us being his ministers and being living examples of what it looks like to be sold out and changed by God. Amen. I'm going to stop right there. Man, this series is going, going, and going, and going. But I get a break because next week, Pastor Precious is going to preach. Amen. We appreciate you listening to today's message. If you would like to hear this message and others in its entirety, visit our website, newcreationwa.org. We have services on Saturday nights, and we would love for you to come out and join us at the Emerald City Bible Fellowship Building located at 7728 Rainer Avenue South, Seattle, Washington, 98118. For questions or comments, call us at 425-686-8197. You can be made new in Christ. God bless.